we're going. Here we go, guys. Here's another one. Wendell's putting out episode 7 today. If you guys are listening to this, I am going to put money on it that you are coming back from the CBH State Field Championship in Reading. How did you guys shoot? How did you do? Did Did you do good? Are you coming away from this event feeling like, you know, you made a little bit of progress? Maybe you shot couple points up than usual did you come out like you did you feel like you were armed for battle isn't that a great feeling you go to an event you feel like you came with your guns loaded well hopefully you did and uh hopefully you got in a good shooting group and you know you weren't you weren't hassled at all or you know oh god forbid you were you guys ever get those people in your group that are the the what do they call them i like the coach, <laughs> the guy who's like, oh man, no, no, it's like you might be, you might be whooping on him. You might be like the the top score leader in your group, and this one guy might be or gal might be like, um, oh no, you're doing that all wrong. You're doing that all wrong. <laughs> She's just trying to get your work done. <laughs> well, hopefully you didn't have that guy in your group, and if you did, hopefully you're able to use him as fuel to just. Keep scoring points. I remember once I took my dad to a range in San Jose called Black Mountain Bowman, and this lady walked up to my my dad. And this is my my dad is it like he's a great shooter. Uh, I'm working with him all the time, but I don't want to give him you know that old phrase you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, I just want dad to be comfortable. I'm not trying to get him to shoot a 300 round. I just want him to feel comfortable. I know that he can hit what he's aiming at and so I'm getting his bow all set up everything's good he's out there he's crushing it at you know 50 yards or whatever and I leave just to go to the bathroom and I come back and this lady is like sir I am a professional archer and uh you are doing this all wrong all wrong I need to show you what to do and right as I came out of the porta potty I saw this lady trying to give my dad advice and I just sprinted over and I said no 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 no, no. I just had to shoo her away like you know, like when crows are kind of like attacking your tomato, uh, your tomato farm, or you just gotta shoot them. You gotta get them away from you. <laughs> but if you're at a tournament and you're in a group, yeesh, I, man, I haven't been in a group like that in a long time. But hopefully, if you're out there, you got a good group this weekend. And if you are one of these people that gives unsolicited coaching advice. Start a podcast, dude. Like, just stop doing that unsolicited advice shit. That is terrible. And you guys ever noticed that is, like, rampant in archery and maybe, maybe pool. I can't imagine Cornhole has those people. I'm sure you'd have to get a couple of twats that are like, oh, no, you got to hold the bag this way. (laughs) Stupid. But anyway, I hope you guys shot good. I hope you're feeling good. I wish I could have been there with you guys. Maybe next year. Um, but yeah, I hope, I hope you guys kick some booty out there. And, uh, you know, I got my usual predictions as always. I'm kind of throwing out a new one. I have a feeling that a Mr. Doug Rousen is going to be towards the top. And if you guys don't know who I'm talking to, because I'm always throwing names out and maybe you're not from the area, you could just... Google it for if you're in California that you should care because this is a state championship. But seems like Doug Rosen's been on a very slight incline for like 
the last, ever since I started shooting. And now he's, you know, if you're putting grains of sand in a cup, he's getting towards the top now. And uh, it's actually one of the best ways to get better at archery is gradually. And I, like, no offense to Doug, but, you know, he used to be like a, I would say like a, a nine, if you this is a 924, I, in my mind, that was like a 910 or like a 908 shooter, which is still a, a good shooter, but they're underneath that 19 group, and it seems like this year, Doug is like middle to high 19, 9, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say 19, 9, 1 number, you know what I mean, that's what it is, he's in the, in the high teens, middle to high teens all the time now, so I hope you're having fun out there, Doug, uh, you know, I think you're going to be at the top of the list on this one, hopefully my buddy Austin Watts does good, Rubio is going to win his class, because he's in the pro, I, I don't think anyone who's a pro for some reason shoots these events, which they absolutely should, uh, I am not a pro anymore, just because I have my own beliefs about what it means to have pro attached to your name and what people should and can expect from you. But uh, I'll get into that later. Um, let's see. I wanted to start with upcoming events. Uh, Cougar Mountain Archers is next weekend. Uh, Cougar, Mount Cougar Mountain is like a really fun 3D event. Uh, all the really long shots are flat. So it's a great place to test your sight marks, and it's a great safari event. It's easily one of my favorites. I, I won the, uh, I think that's where I won the uh, state, the first ever state 3D championship. I won it with FAPS. I'm all, I'm, this is like part of my, part of the podcast where I brag at you, but I won it with VAPS. And uh, those were some really good VAPS. It, it definitely made me think that anything's possible with any arrow. Um, also that same weekend, the MTBA Regional Field Round. I've said this before, I've always wanted to shoot the MTBA Regionals, but I just don't have time at the moment. And I believe that's going to be held in Santa Cruz. That's also June 20th. Uh, that looks like a lot of fun. The, the MTBA Series looks great. But there's a thing, Regional field rounds should not be held the same weekend as the state field rounds. So MTBA, you know, I love you. I've never met you, but I love you. But dude, you got to plan it better than that. Don't plan it on the, oh wait, no, that's next weekend. Oh, I'm sorry. You guys plan it just fine. Well, in that case, <laughs> sorry. I was like, I haven't had coffee today. I'm kind of in a dick, kind of in a dick place, but, uh, Cool. MTBA, regional field round. If you guys are finished with state and you're still hungry for some field action and you live in the region, get down there, check it out, try it. I don't think they care if you're in the region or not, but, you know, go get some. Uh, the CBH Unmarked 3D State Championship is June 27th. Unmarked 3D. So, what is that like? This is where I show you how much, how little I actually know about archery. Unmarked 3D, I'm pretty sure Unmarked 3D is like no orange spot 3D. That sounds difficult, but that sounds awesome. June 27th, uh, I don't have a location for that one. I'm a, I apologize. I don't know why I thought I could do this on memory. And those are the, uh, the next upcoming events uh, for the next three weeks. I will, you know, my goal is to put out a podcast every week, so I'll keep you guys up to date on everything uh, as best I can. 
Uh, I'd like to, before I get into things, I want to talk uh, a big congrats. This last weekend, two events went down at the same time. The first one I'd like to mention is the SoCal Showdown. Uh, my close friend, Alan Brunetta, um, he podiumed. And podiumed is how you say he got third place. He got first, second, third means you, you get a medal. You, get, you, you crushed a lot of people to get just to the podium. So people are like, well, who did he crush? Let me tell you. In the quarterfinals, Alan Brunetta beat Braden Galantine. Now, I've never heard of Braden Galantine, and I know who that guy is. But Alan Brunetta beat him 143 to 141. And, uh, I mean, that's... I can only imagine if that's a name that is at the top of the list all the time, going into a match against that guy must be, must be uh, nerve-wracking. But he pulled it out with a two-point win. His uh, semifinals, he lost to James Lutz. We all know who James Lutz is. He's a guy who shoots a ridiculously ugly bow and punches a, punches a button like, uh, you know, like he has hiccups. <clears throat> Alan lost to him, 142 to 136. So... As you guys can tell, if you're gonna in you know these match play things, if you want first or second, you have to go clean, you know, clean all the way till finals, and then you know let it play it where it lies after that. So in Allen's final match, he went up against Steve Marsh, and they tied 145-145. It went to a one arrow shoot off, and Allen took it. Uh, there's all kinds of great photos out there of Allen uh, doing this awesome feat. I hope to get an interview with him soon because his story is far more exciting than the way I just told it. But Alan's such a good guy. He gets a lot of crap from his friends, but uh, I just wanted to say Alan is in my mind of my small pool of friends that shoot and that carry the title of pro. He's one of the few people that truly earns it. He lives the and he's not like your five percenter pro. There's the five, what I call the five percenter pro are the pros that are out there, shoot hella good and don't have a day job, you know? Or maybe their day job is like, I don't know, shooting arrows or doing something industry, or not industry related, but you know what I mean? The, the uh, I don't want to throw out any names and like offend anyone, but real wild, all right? Real Wild is not getting up at 8 in the morning or 7 in the morning and getting in his car, driving to a water treatment plant, and then digging through poop to make sure filters aren't clogged so that he can go home at the end of the day and then, uh, you know, maybe get a couple arrows in. No. Real Wild gets up. He uh, probably has like an espresso machine or... A little Guatemalan kid make him coffee, and then he goes and shoots 600 arrows until he goes and, you know, eats a block of cheese for lunch. I don't know. Uh, Alan's not one of those guys. Alan wakes up, goes to work, comes home, you know, takes care of his family, shoots his bow when he can. And he goes to every tournament he can. And uh, he flies his flag, you know, he flies all his, his sponsors. He does... He does it, and I think if, you know, a lot of us think of what it means to be a pro shooter, we think, oh, we're going to get something for free, we're going to rep a logo, and that's going to be it. All I got to do is shoot my bow. Nah, that's not how it works. There's way more to it. Oh, this is for a different podcast, but I just want everyone to know, 
Alan Burnett is uh, a top solid guy. I'm hoping I can get an interview with him soon because uh, he's quite the personality. Another personality that I hope to interview soon is Mark Rubio. I think I've talked about him on four out of seven podcasts now. Uh, he destroyed at the Nevada City June shoot with a 921. Austin Watts came in second with a 917. Doug Rosin, the aforementioned Doug Rosin, came in with a 915. All you guys did great shooting. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure Mark put himself in the pro class, but if it's an outlaw, it's all the same thing. Don't matter. So good job, Mark. 921. That's that's crazy. Like he's still sharpening his fangs. <laughs> all right, and then as with every podcast, I'm gonna go back and make corrections to the last podcast. Last podcast, I had said that I read something, which is true, I read this online, stating that an arrow weight of a half grain uh, at 100 yards was going to create a full inch lower dip, right? Or it was going to land lower than everything. So I decided to test this. I have, uh, well, I had some arrows that had a plus or minus one and a half grain spread. I mean, that means that's three grains total between your lightest and heaviest arrow. What did I do? I don't know. I don't know why it's that much. Usually, if you build a set of arrows, you can assume it's going to be plus or minus one with, the, with the, the grains of weight, unless you're shooting, like, those Chinese knockoff arrows or anything from, uh, what is that, Aerotech? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I, uh, I took my arrows out to 90 yards because it is a little foggy and at 100 I couldn't quite see what I was shooting at. So I went to 90 and I shot and there was absolutely no noticeable pattern. So I have arrows that had a wider spread than what, what I cited because I had read it and I'm sorry because I will sometimes cite bullshit on this. Um, it absolutely did not matter. I had the heavy arrows high light arrows low and then vice versa it was all over the spot there was if it was according to what this guy had written you the way i would have seen it or what i think was that the breakdown would be like you know all the lighter arrows at the top of the the 10 ring and all the heavier arrows at the lower of the 10 ring and i'm not saying i shoot like a laser beam but they were all in the 10 ring okay <laughs> and i was really hoping i could get some some oh ten ring it was a five five ring because it was a field target um yeah i'm so you know let me that i'm getting all flustered here i'm getting flustered because i had two dozen wonderful arrows and uh they were nano pros and some jackasses broke into my car and stole all two dozen of them they stole my Kuyu jackets, which all oh, pains me so bad because they were gifts. Um, and people are probably going to say, well, like, well, what were these things doing in your car? Weren't you practicing? Well, okay, this was different days, actually. But because I'm talking about arrows, this is, you know, these, are the, these were really good arrows, is what I'm trying to say. I was, I was feeling solid at, at 90 yards. And uh, I also practiced my hunting bow. I don't know if you guys know, but hunting season's coming around the corner. And I want to feel... I want to feel good. Oh, is that another event? The uh, the um, Last Chance Broadhead shoot, June 20th is coming up. I want to look good for it. I don't want to go out there, 
you know, all these guys, all these seasoned hunters are going to see me and be like, well, let's see if little target boy can shoot. And I definitely want to show them, yeah, yeah, I can shoot too. I can shoot a hunting bow. So I was out there practicing. Some guys broke my window, stole all my arrows, stole my jackets. Sad day for Wendell, but you know what? Uh, the amount of support that I got on social media, it was really touching. And, uh, you know, no homo. Not that there's anything wrong with that. If you, if you are homo, it's all good. Uh, but I just want to tell everyone thank you. Like, uh, you really don't know how people, you know, well, maybe now people feel, but you never know who would go out of their way to help you until some shit happens to you. And uh, it was like almost instant. A lot of people hit me up to help, you know, offer help, and I appreciate it. Uh, Big guy on my list is Bob Grover. Uh, Very generous dude. Um, You know, extended some help to me, and that was was awesome. just everyone. So this guy, Steve Roseberg, I, I used to, I shit on this guy, Steve Roseberg, because he called me and Emerson a sandbagger for a year that we didn't shoot in the uh, championship class in Vegas. But if you look at our scores, we had no business shooting championship class. So we knew what we were doing. <laughs> he called us sandbaggers. And uh, I, I like went on a tirade about him. Even he was like, hey man, I got arrows. If you need arrows, let me know. Steve, thank you. Uh, everyone was super awesome. So, you know, death to thieves, I think that goes without saying, but, uh, and you know, I don't want to sound like a lunatic, but cars at Redwood Bowman in Oakland get, uh, they get broken into a lot. If I wanted to go all vigilante, I could definitely, you know, I could definitely get these guys. So, you know, I, I definitely know cops are listening to this and no one, you know, no one's going to like red, I guess it's a red flag statement, but, <laughs> uh, you know, eventually these guys are going to do this to the wrong person and someone's going to go Batman on them. Um, <clears throat> I also got a message from a friend of mine, uh, his name's Alex, he said, you don't talk about arrow shaft puring. And, th- okay, there's a reason why I don't do arrow shaft puring. And I, this is my own reason. If you do this, that's totally fine. But for people that don't know, there is a form of spine indexing out there called uh, shaft puring. And I know it sounds kind of creepy, but what shaft puring is, is a, is a method that was invented by golfers. And it's, I don't know if it was long-range uh, driving golfers or what, but these guys were finding out that on your golf shaft, they're not perfectly round. They're actually more of an oval. And if you can align your oval to be inside the power stroke of your golf swing, then that basically you would get less slap bend in your arrow, in your, uh, I'm sorry, in your shaft doodad thing. And so they have this thousand, multi-thousand dollar machine to plug golf shafts into, uh, which is basically like a, what's the word, not like an internal collar, but basically your, your shaft fits into a, they call it collet, and, and then it hangs a weight out like far away, and there's a bearing inside the collet, and they can spin it, and you can see 
where this shaft is flexing at, you know, what's the high point and low point inside the spine. So I've heard, you know, golfers say that what they're doing is aligning the oval. Other guys have said we're actually finding the overlap in the carbon when, you know, they mandrel wrap carbon, there's like a slight overlap. Sure. Hey, whatever. Um, basically they're just using this tool this multi-thousand dollar tool to find irregularities in the shaft and golfers probably have money to throw away on shit like that so that's why they do it the reason why i don't do it for aero shafts and i'll be honest i have done this i built my own shaft puring device it was it consisted of a couple bearings like you could do this at home you take a couple bearings that the inside diameter matches the outside diameter of your arrows, right? I use two, plug the very back of your arrow in there, put that in a small vise. Um, you wanna somehow make sure that arrow doesn't slip out of these bearings. And then I put a pin on a drill chuck uh, and then slip that into the tip of the arrow. And the drill chuck is heavy enough to weight down that arrow. Well, then you can spin it inside these bearings and you can see when that arrow shaft is going to be at the high point and the low point, right? When, when the, uh, the arrow's flexing the least, <clears throat> that'll be a high point. The reason why I don't do this <clears throat> is because George Riles talked about doing the shaft indexing and what are you really doing? And he firmly believes that with carbon technology now, there isn't much of an overlap. Granted, he does shoot Eastern arrows, Easton uses some kind of AccuCarbon, who knows, who knows what, and maybe they pull their carbon on a different way, but he's a firm believer that our carbon technology is so good that the overlap isn't a big deal. And what we're actually finding is tolerance inconsistencies in your pin knock concentricity. So, <clears throat> for the lack of a better, well, I, the way I said that was kind of douchey. Basically, if your pin isn't perfectly straight, you'll see it when you bear shaft index, right? When you shoot them is what I mean. And I believe that. I believe that your pin knocks will be slightly off, maybe not one thousandths, ten, wait, ten hundredths, thousandths, maybe like a hundred thousandths, right? But in arrow flight with no veins, you will see it. And I believe that. And I think that that can ultimately fight against if there is some kind of carbon spine in there. Well, I guess that would prove why golf shaft pairing would be better. I don't know. To me, I would rather shoot it, right? So I can see where that, like where that pin tolerance is off. And I would like to see where that arrow is gonna fly. Regardless of what the puring machine says, or you know where I think the pin is going to be bent. I would rather just shoot it and let the the location that the arrow landed be the thing that tells me where my knock indexing point is. And you know what? If I have the time, I'm going to do this. Uh, not puring. I'm going to do some bear shaft indexing, probably like 50 50 yards, just because it's so. You know, my my buddy Louis is going to send me some arrows and. God bless him. He sent me two dozen. I'm gonna, I'm gonna knock index him just to, just to see if these things can hit like my my nano pros did. 
Um, let's see. So yeah, basically you're finding asymmetry with a golf shaft peering device. On an arrow shaft, there are two stiff points. So you get two, assuming, assuming there is carbon overlap, right, on one side. What that does is create a stiff spine. The opposite, the direct 180 degree of that will be another stiff spine. The 290 degrees to that, basically the sides will be soft or relative, relatively soft. So you'll have, if you have a golf shaft peering device, you'll see these two points or you'll find one point, you'll be like, okay, there's a stiff side. You still have to shoot these and figure out is this stiff side one? Is this the, the overlap or is this the bottom side, you know? So for me, it's just, it's, you know, it's also less time to do it my way. Not that there's anything wrong if you're a, a shaft peering guy, all right? <clears throat> I respect everyone's, even though it seemed like in the last podcast I don't respect anything, I respect everyone's method for getting your gear together to get out there and shoot. Most of this shit we're doing is just quieting the voice inside of us that is saying, oh man, was it my gear, right? Ultimately, ultimately, I could build you a set of VAPs and not index anything, and your score will be something close to what it is now. Assuming I took the labels off and told you they were some great arrow and you didn't know what they were, you would probably still shoot a pretty decent score. Um, so yeah, I've done the peering thing. I still found, like, my results from the... Granted, my peering device was pretty caveman. I found that I get better results from just shooting them. More reliable results, okay? Um, so, anyway, this episode... How much time did I spend chattering away? All right, it's 25 minutes in. This episode is uh, a fun one. This is going to be all about getting better. So, this is... Not getting better from COVID. It's going to be getting better from archery. Getting better at archery. And I was going to keep this podcast about tuning because tuning is what everyone wants to hear about. They want to hear how your bow is set up. How can I set my bow up? And let's be real. You can do tuning and it might earn you a couple points in, in the immediate you know, time frame. But the way you get better is by practicing. And I'm going to tell you the different methods that I practice. Um, my buddy JJ, I know, anyone that writes to me, I'm going to call you my buddy. All right, This guy is legitimately my buddy. But one thing I love is when you guys send me questions. And this guy sent me a question. And he said, um, let me see. Where is his question? He said, what did it take to get to the top of my game? And how did I maintain it? Um, so I haven't been at the top of my game in like a year, but I do clearly remember how I got there. All right. And I feel like I know how to get back. And, um, I'll tell you guys, I'm going to give you guys the secrets. You will not find this on any other podcast because any other podcast is going to be about raiding the capital, sucking off some other pro or talking about, you know, bow hunting with Joe Rogan in Lanai. This is going to be the archery podcast that straight tells you how to get better. All right. Um, so I'll just give you, you guys listen to me brag about my archery 
career all the time. So I'll just keep it short. But basically, inside of three years, I went from like a relatively noob shooter to someone that was considered a good shot, right? Um, normally, for good archers, like you good archers out there, it you guys are like 10-year guys or five-year guys, right? The difference between us is I believe when you take more time to develop skills, they stick with you longer. They are more concrete and they're like set in your DNA. I did this really fast. I shot a ton of arrows, developed skills really quickly. And now I feel like, now I'm kind of like trying to figure out how do I, you know, with like, you know, new life stuff getting in the way, I'm trying to find smarter ways to maintain these skills. But basically, inside of, you know, at the height of that three years, I was able to maintain, and I can tell you how I did that too. So basically, if you get good quick, in my mind, you will get ungood very quickly also. Uh, if you take the, you know, the long road, I think, yeah, this stuff gets embedded in your DNA. So the obvious things are practice and competition. First off, right off the top, this is the, one of the things that I tell people new guys the most that they do not listen to at all. They say, Wendell, I'm going to buy the same bow you have, and I'm going to pest you with questions. And I say, you know what? You already have a, what's a good example? A Hoyt something, you know? You could just save your money and start going to tournaments. Go to as many tournaments as you can. And then I'll see this guy later. Like where they, you know, in between three tournaments that he didn't go to, but he has a new bow and he's like struggling with it. Um, so the thing that, you know, they don't listen to, or some guys don't listen to, but your money is better spent instead of buying new gear. If you have the basics, you know, or if you have what you need to get stuff done, if your gear isn't crap, What's important is taking your money and going to competitions. And I have like my, my good friends uh, at DB, DB Custom Coatings. That's the big thing they spend their money on is they go to tournaments. They're like, if they if if archery in our little circle was Apocalypse Now the movie, they are, um, what's this Robert Duvall on the beach. You know, like there's explosions going off around them. They're so battle-worn that they are unfazed. And they're on their road. They are like on this road of progress because they do what step one is. Practice and compete. Um, the other thing is you have to define the skill. And now, keep in mind, this is not stuff I thought about. I did not think about all this stuff when I was getting better. When I was getting better, I just shot all the time. But I realized after learning all this stuff about skill acquisition that what I was doing is actually falls right in line with these guys that are all about skill development. Like the stuff that they prescribe, right? And guys and gals. This is not just, uh, you know, not uh, genderist here. Um, but so you got to define the skill. What are we defining here? Well, what is archery? <laughs> if I could sum it up for everyone, and I don't think you can argue with this. You can try. But for compound freestyle, what we're trying to do is break a shot when the pin is in an acceptable spot for you. So this is different for some people because I, I can't say our skill is breaking a shot when the pin's in the middle because some people don't do that. 
Some people break shots when their pin is at six o'clock, you know, and that's what's comfortable for them. But you got to do it all the time. Again, everyone sends me videos of this like trad guy shooting a ring on Instagram. <clears throat> it's a parlor in my mind. I'm so not impressed because it's a parlor trick. You know what I mean? You get it done once on video and it's like, oh, that's amazing. Do it 30 times in front of a crowd in Vegas. And then, you know, drug test that guy. And then I'll give you the little British clap. All right. So, and even after you do it, if you're a compound freestyle guy, if you're a competitor, who cares? After you do it and you want it, on to the next thing. <laughs> Which will fall into my little outline here. So, uh, competitions can be state, regional, novelty shoots, or even club shoots. Club shoots are great for getting better. What I love about cl club shoots, they help chart your score and they can show you your progress. When I first started this, I was all about the club shoot. When I was all about archery, I was all about doing good at the club shoots. Then Emerson pulled me into the Outlaws, which was the, uh, I guess, kind of like a regional thing. And I started learning about all these novelty shoots and it was just one more, you know, what's the next tournament? What can I do? What's the next tournament? It was so hard for me to figure out when these tournaments were. Um, you kind of have to be in the know on like Facebook and I mean, CBH SAA has a, an events page that pretty does a pretty good job at it. I'm going to try to do a great job at telling you guys when you can, when you can uh, expect some upcoming tournaments. All right. So it's pretty much it. I was hungry, so I wanted to do every tournament I could. And what happens is you end up shooting with different people. You get exposed to, you know, people to challenge you. And then the other thing is you are shooting for score all the time. You're in that that feeling of riding your bike with no helmet, you know, or surfing when you know there's a bunch of sharks out there. Um, so yeah, that's the competitions. Uh, as far as practice goes. And this is, you know, club shoots, whatever. If you can pick who you're shooting with, try and shoot with good people. Shooting with your friends is great, especially if your friends are good shooters or if they're better than you. But if you're picking your friends that are, like, maybe your friends practice once a month, I guess that would be me now, or if your friends are, like, the, I don't know, it, I don't want to be a dick, but if, if your friends are, like, terrible at archery, but you love their personality... It might be best to just practice with them, but then at a club shoot or a, a tournament, you go f seek out the other guys, you know, the high scores to shoot against, because you can learn something. And I'll be honest, uh, break the barriers down in Fresno, me and Rudy got, you know, we we're in the, the team money shoot, and Mark Rubio and Tommy Daly are like, you guys, we put you in our group. And I was like, fuck, fuck. I always wanted a nice, easy weekend of, like, maybe shooting good and telling dick jokes all weekend. You know, that's all I wanted. Um, and now I have to, now I'm, I'm going to be working because I have to shoot with two fucking, two of the expendables. So, I'll get into this soon. Wilderness has a, basically what I call the team, the expendables team. It's Mark Rubio, Tommy Daly, uh, Randy Long. Maybe Buck Herond. I don't think anyone in the Expendables had one, you know, an arrow sticking out of their arm. But basically, that's pretty much the Expendables. Uh, uh, Todd Hawkins, all these, like, 
I'm not going to say old. You guys know you're not old, right? We'll just say weathered. There's some weathered archers that shoot out of wilderness archery. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping to do a little a bunch of interviews with these expendables. But basically, if you have to shoot with any of those guys, at first, your instinct is going to be, well, shit, it's going to be a grind this weekend. But then after you start shooting with them, you start learning stuff, and you realize how much it's like a master class. This is any good, if you're paired up with any good shooters, shooting with them is like a master class. Like you can learn from them if you're not out to lunch or if you're not just getting high on your own farts all day. And that's what me and Rudy did. Like we learned from Mark and Tommy all weekend and it was great. Like we talked about it our whole drive home. We should have been recording a podcast, but it's okay. We, we had a good conversation. Um, I used to believe, I still kind of do, that practicing one to two times a week just helps you maintain your skills and that two to three times a week is where you see improvement. I, this is different for everyone, and I'll get into how you can kind of figure this out. There are exceptions to this. <clears throat> my buddy Brandon Williamson, I don't know if he calls me a buddy, but I'll call him a buddy. I don't, he uh, does not practice ever. He literally sets a bow up like the day before, three days before an event. He shoots two sight marks, and then he goes out there and wins events. I don't know how he does this. It might be that he secretly practices and doesn't tell anyone. It could also be that he's just a freak of nature and plays a lot of Call of Duty, so he's really good behind a pin. He, you know, he could be uh, he could be like a volcano, just lies dormant for you know x number of time, and then orange dots show up on targets, and he just explodes all over the place. So, so for some people, you can get away with not practicing. For the rest of us, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have to practice. Um, another tool that I used to get better at this game was the Outlaw Handicap System. On the Outlaw page, they have their handicap scores listed, and you can use these, you can use these scores to, to look at your progress. They'll tell you what your handicap is at. Your handicap doesn't have to be something that you use at events. It can just be an indicator of where you are. I was told that when you become a zero handicap, that's when you should go pro, and that's what I did. I, uh, I'm not going to put anyone else, you know, I have friends, like close friends that want to go pro that are not shooting a zero handicap. That's fine. But there's an old Chinese proverb, which is, I'd rather be the head of a chicken than the ass of an ox. And so that's why I personally dipped back to the amateur class. So I could be, you know, I'm not even the head of the chicken. I'm more like the neck of the chicken. But, you know, I'm still towards the top of the chicken. <clears throat> so look up the handicap system. I'll post it up on my Facebook so you guys don't have to look it up too hard. And use that handicap system. All right? It, it will be your... You guys remember that? There was a cartoon way back in our day called Dragon Ball Z. I don't know if it's still around, but these guys used to wear a little power meter, right, on their eyeball, and they would look at someone and be like, oh my god, that guy is like 10 power, or whatever. Uh, the handicap system is what I use as my power meter. So if someone comes up to me and says, I'm a 6 handicap, and another guy over here says, I'm a 1 handicap, you can assume 1 handicap is going to beat 6. Just like in golf, I think, I don't play golf. So I can't tell you 
So now getting into the meat and potatoes, my practice methods, like this was my practice routine. I've noticed there are a lot of um, other, there's not a lot, but there are other archery podcasts that are like, I can tailor a practice routine for you. It'll just cost you money, right? Or I can teach you periodization. It'll just cost you a little bit of money. Uh, I'm going to tell you all that shit for free right now. I don't know what their content is, right? Because I refuse to pay for that stuff. But I can tell you how I trained at the height of my, you know, in Wendell's heyday. So first, shoot for score always because that's data. Your score is data. And that's going to be your indicator. Are you doing good or bad? You can use your score to figure out which targets you struggle on. There's just so much information that comes from shooting for score. Always shoot for score. And I remember a long time ago, Real Wild posted this thing up, said, I, I, I never shoot and not score. And someone got all, but people were like, oh, you don't just like free shoot, man. You don't just like go out there and fling arrows for fun. And he was like, it's all fun. But no, I, I always shoot for score. And it makes sense. That made sense to me. I, I stopped shooting without scoring a long time ago. And so... I recommend you do the same. Always score your shit. And uh, I'll tell you the exceptions to this later. All right? So uh, number that was number one for my practice methods. Number two is poor man's periodization. Periodization is an Olympic training thing that has you feather your volume, your training volume, up and down so that you peak on game day. All right? I believe uh, a handful of pros use this. Um, what I did, so everyone's like, how do you do that? Well, the simplest thing is train, or like go practice a bunch. Go shoot, if it's a field round you're practicing for, granted field's about to be over in like one day <clears throat> or a week if you go to MTBA, go practice, all right? Say you're gonna practice, here's how I did it. I would practice in six days a week, right? Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday, every single day that I practice, I shot and scored a field round or half a field round or whatever. And then I would write that number down on the calendar. And at the end of the month, you can see like an up and down swing. You can, if you were to graph it, you can see this up and down thing happening, right? Um, that is your, you know, your peak and valley, and you can notice that this stuff all coincides with your rest day, whatever your rest day is. Is it Sunday? Is it Saturday? Who knows? Um, so you could time your rest day. You could stall a little bit instead of taking, you know, just Sunday, maybe take two days, and then you start your training thing on Tuesday. Well, now you're going to peak on a different day. Now maybe you're going to peak on Saturday. Um... I didn't find that was 100% the case, but what I did notice was that the biggest benefit I got was that the days that I didn't shoot good, I could look at the calendar and it would almost always be in a valley day. And then I wouldn't feel shitty. I wouldn't be like, oh, well, crap, I suck. I'd, I'd go to the calendar. And guess what? If you're practicing good, that valley day might be higher than your last valley day, you know? So <clears throat> I didn't get discouraged. I didn't get that feeling like this is all for nothing, you know? It, it all felt like I was working towards something. And that's important. 
not get discouraged. Um, that was a, a, a good a good helper for me. Another one is this thing called repetition. I didn't know about repetition until recently, but after hearing it, I was like, holy crap, that's exactly what I was doing. Um, I didn't know I practiced this, but my friend Bet sent me this podcast. I think it's what's it, Hubalot Lab, Hubalot Lab or something. And uh, the guy was talking about something called the Super Mario Effect. And this is where you take a bunch of nerds and you get have them play a video game. And if you get hit by a turtle or whatever, they had the game programmed two ways. One of them was it would say, if you get hit by a turtle and it says, you lose five points. And then you just keep playing, right? Or it says, you lose five points. Like, bang, you're done. And then the other one was, it would say, bang, you're, you know, you messed up, try again. And then you would play through it again. Everyone that did, did the try again would score overall higher than the people that just got the five-point penalty and kept playing, right? Um, and this try again thing, this let's do it over again, it does something to your brain. I don't know if it's positive reinforcement or what. They didn't go into it in this podcast, or maybe they did and I didn't listen. But for field, if you're shooting a field round, this is how I would do it. If you're practicing, you're shooting it for score. That's your first four arrows. If you miss horrifically, if you shoot a, I forget the scoring already, if you shoot a 16, right, what I would do is score at a 16, but then stay at that target and shoot again. I used to play this game for field called um, Five to Pass, right? I just made this up because I was bored. And at the time, my, no one was practicing with me, so I was just like trying to make it interesting. Five to pass was five arrows in a row go into that spot and I can go to the next target. <clears throat> and that's a great way to, one, either get hung up at a target all day or two, get really good at hammering these targets out. I don't score those. The first four, that, that, that 16 that you shot, that's what goes on the paper. Everything after is workshopping and you're smoothing yourself over for next time, all right? You're doing the... Okay, I'm going to try again, I'm going to try again. I'm not going to take all the bennies from that. I'm not going to let it inflate my ego, but I'm going to let it know. I'm going to let myself know I can do this. I just made some mistakes. For my when I was shooting indoor, I always say that I got better when I was shooting indoor, and it's mainly cuz my friend Nico gave me a place to shoot indoors all the time. And uh what I would do is I'd start scoring a 300 round or I'm sorry, a 450 round. And when I would miss, I would start scoring all over again. And some nights I would be there from till like 9.30, like 6 to 9.30. And maybe I'd have a 450. Most of the time I didn't. But I started getting 450s and then I started getting them more and more. And I took that so far as to um, my buddy Nick Ingham and I had on social media a 1200 battle. Which is where we, we both shot 1200s clean against each other. And it was freaking cool. It took forever, but it was it was awesome. Um, I'm not saying that one. You can do that and then go out and win Vegas, or else I would have won Vegas. But you can do that, and it will make you a better shooter overall. You can you can shoot at least for indoor. And when you miss, just start the start it over. How long can you go without missing? You know. Did you if you miss one? Hey, try again. Let's start it over. How far can you go? So it's a great 
I thought that was probably my best training tool for as far as getting better. Um, Nick Ingham is another guy I'd love to get on the podcast. He's a self-proclaimed dum-dum. But uh, if you guys ever watch him shoot, I think he plays second at the Idaho Open. Like, if you're a dum-dum, what are you saying about everyone else out there, bud? Huh? What? You know, you're standing on some shoulders at that event. <clears throat> so hopefully I can pick his brain. Maybe you guys can learn his uh, mental management. It sounds wonderful. Um, early on in archery, I was recommended to read With Winning in Mind by... I can't remember. It sounds like Lammy... Sounds like Lamb, Lamb, Basham, Lammy something. He wrote a book with winning in mind, and it's basically how to stay positive, right? He can, he's got his own little tricks for how to keep cool like a cucumber while you're shooting archery. It is good stuff, especially if you're in the beginning of this sport. Or if your name is Mel, you should definitely read that book and apply it to yourself because, um, Man, people, some people out there are just like, uh, this sucks, you know, archery sucks, why do I do this to myself? And my answer, you guys all know my answer, I don't know, <laughs> I'm not your therapist, alright? Read that book, read with winning in mind, and flush all that negative shit out of here. Get that, send it down the road, send it to Mexico, we don't need it here, alright? Uh, another book is The Champion's Mind. My buddy gave me this book for my birthday a long time ago, and it is like some next-level mental management. Um, great tips in there for going into events calm and cool and having this mindset that... One of the most important takeaways was, like, this isn't it, you know? Don't think this is it. This is not your big break. This is just an opportunity to express yourself, All right? Get that big break idea out of your head and just get to the point where you're doing something you love and you and, and the act of doing it at a high level is the thing that makes you truly happy. Great book. Uh, the third book is Zen and the Art of Archery. Uh, this book is an absolute complete waste of time. Read it if you just want to waste time. Like, I, someone recommended that book to me, and I read it, and I was like, I don't know shit about archery now. This is terrible. It's basically someone, like, poetically rambling about archery. And, like, it, it says Zen, and there's Japanese stuff on it, so I'm like, oh, dude, I'm Japanese. Like, that means something to me. It's going to make me better at my DNA, at my core. Huge waste of time. And I think Joe Rogan recommended that book. Shame on you, man. Shame on you. That book sucks. You don't learn shit from that. Anyway. Um, and then the last two main things is that on my list, aim for progress and stay hungry. Um, I remember when I was a young buck and I would win events, people would be like, oh, dude, like, you're set now. And I'm, and I'm like, you know what? Most of that magic wears off on the ride home or the next day. Or, like, even Chris, like, Chris Perkins won Vegas. He's trying to win the next event. He's not, like, I mean, maybe there's a big picture of him in his, in his living room, like, printed up behind his TV or whatever, of himself winning Vegas. I wouldn't put it past him. But he didn't just up and, that's, he didn't let that be all he is. He's trying to be more than that. So he's going out and he's trying to win ASAs and he's trying to win whatever, you know? Um, 
I urge you guys to be like that. I know Mark Rubio is like that. He just won this, uh, you know, Nevada City, and instantly he's out there trying to win the next thing. He, I, I asked him if he's going to shoot the 1440, because I haven't gotten to battle anyone since Break the Barriers, and I want to battle Mark Rubio. You guys are going to see it happen. Mark Rubio is showing up to the 1440. It's going to be uh, Mark the Old Dog Rubio versus Wendell Souza the California Cobra at the 1440. You better believe it. It's going to be an awesome battle. Um, I'll let you guys all know how it goes. But regardless of how that event goes, you know, say Mark takes the whole event, I promise you the next week he's not going to be thinking about it. Maybe a little bit. He might be at work one day and chuckle to himself and be like, <laughs> fucked Wendell up at that 1440. Yes, I did. And then he'll high-five himself, and then he'll get right back onto bailing hay or whatever he does, right? But you better believe it. That's going to be it. And then he's going to start thinking about the next event. He's going to stay hungry. And I urge all of you to do the same. If you do good, if you win your club shoot or you win your, your little regional shoot, you know, your, your Smurf Rinky Dink 924 event, your safari, uh, just know you want it, that's for you. That victory is for you. But use it. Don't let it burn you down. All right? That's not the last thing you're going to do. You have not made it. All right? You should never have made it. Um, uh, Randy Tucker told me once, like, we are aiming for perfection and you can't achieve perfection. A good example is I shot the 924 clean in Lodi. The next day, I dropped like 10 points. So what does that tell you? All right. Um, yeah. So I hope I hope you guys have some good. There's good meat in here for you. Um, those are, to me, the most important practice tips. And in about a month, I intend to get back to doing some indoor drilling and start employing more of this repetition and things like that. Because that's how you get those skills. Like, what are we doing? Skill acquisition. Break that pin where I want it. Make that arrow land right there. You can do it. If I can do it, you guys can do it. All right? And some of you are listening to this. They're like, well, I already do it. So, I, yeah, I don't need to. All right, cool. Cool. You know, this is for everyone else then. Um, last thing I want to end with is the bullshit product of the week. Someone hit me up. I think it was actually Mark. I was like, where did that go? I just wanted to give you guys some positive podcasts because some of my podcasts have like a negative asshole tint to it. But I got a good one for you guys this week. The BS, the bullshit product of the week this week. You guys want to guess what it's going to be? The Pila Shades. I think that's what they're called. Pilas. Developed by archers for archers that have more fucking money than brains. All right. These are, if those of you people that don't know, there are glasses out there that are developed for shooting sports, all right? And maybe it makes sense if you're shooting skeet. I don't know if it makes sense for shooting archery. These are glasses that cost anywhere from three to $2,000. The pros for owning these are you look cool, all right? Until you miss, all right? Now let's get into the cons of these. You don't look cool, all right? <laughs> Having 
$2,000 eyewear and throwing an arrow in the dirt makes you look dumb. <laughs> uh, another con, con number two. They're expensive sunglasses. As I, I mean, they're, they're a colored tint, right? But can they really make you see better than not having anything in front of you? Like, I think, let's be real, not having anything between you and your pin, except a clarifier, is going to be what you want. You want this thing as close to a vacuum as possible. You don't want interference, right? Uh, con number three, they can't make you shoot better. <laughs> they can't. They're sunglasses, man. And if they could, how come there aren't other sunglasses out there that people are wearing? Like, how come no one's like, oh, I always wear my, my Oakley Ray-Ban blah, blah, blahs because they just make me shoot better. I'll tell you why. Because they're bullshit. And people just wear them to look cool. All right? I, I'll admit, you look damn cool if you got them. I almost thought about saving up to getting some because I thought they looked cool. I just couldn't live with myself after spending that money and then missing a shot when other people aren't wearing them and whooping my ass. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I mean, they look cool. PJ Deloche looks cool when he wears them. Sebastian Pinot looked really cool when he wore them. Erica Jones looked cool when she wore them. Uh, most of those people don't wear them anymore. <laughs> just so you guys know. So, maybe because uh, when they miss, it just stings a little more. And that does it's not what you want. That's not Super Mario effect. You know what I'm saying? All right, guys. So I've rambled for damn near 57 minutes now. I'm going to thank the sponsors. Sponsors of this podcast are DB Custom Coatings in Napa. Uh, they Cerakote bows. Uh, my friends Darren and Bet, big supporters of this podcast. Um, this mic system was provided by them. So if this audio sounds really good and you guys see them, tell them, hey, I love hearing Wendell's voice first thing in the morning. Or it helps get my wife in the mood. I put a little bit of archery unfiltered on, and then we go to t- we start making babies. Um, DB Custom Coatings, they Cerakote bows. You know your bow is the same bow as that jack off. Maybe there's another guy at your club who has that same bow, and he's terrible, and yours is the same color. Send it to them, break it down, and get it something custom. Um, I have a good idea of what I'm going to do my target bow. I'm kind of thinking I'm going to get my hunting bow Cerakoted first, but I'm going to let Darren and Bet practice right now. They got some stuff they're working on, and then I'll hassle them for uh, some work. Uh, so thank them. Thank you, guys. Uh, Carbon Craft Stabilizers is my other sponsor. They are, as of right now, the top-performing stabilizer that I've ever tested. <clears throat> I'm not saying I'm closed-minded, but... Adam made a good set of bars, and I'm going to push them until I find something better. And right now, I can tell you, they're the stiffest, lightest stabilizer on the market. Uh, I think uh, their production, their lead times have shortened now after we've complained a whole bunch. You guys can place orders for those at Impact Archery in Fresno or West Coast Archery in Petaluma. So that's two outlets you can get Carbon Craft Stabilizers. Um... For DB Custom Coatings, you guys can find them on Instagram at DB Custom Coatings, I believe. Um, I believe they also have a Facebook profile, so hit them up. If you guys want cool shit, those are my people, all right? Well, I hope you guys are having a good weekend. 
someone hit me up and let me know what the scores were for the uh, CBA State Field, okay? Um, I'll see you guys later. Bye.